in the morning on December 13, 1990, a man stepped out of his front door, I assume a normal morning, probably going to work, and was stunned by what he saw. Across the street from his home, in clear view, was a woman. A woman was nude from the waist down and posed with her legs spread. While he waited for police to arrive, the man was so horrified by the sight that he got a blanket and used it to cover her up and wait for the police to come. That is where we start with our case today. And it's gonna be a doozy. Great, it already sounds like it is. Some of my content has mention of extreme violence, sexual assault, and or other triggering content. Discretion is advised. Hello. Hey, we're back. We're back. It's um, been a while. It was, it's been a while. Uh, life got busy and crazy and... Still heavy. is, but... Yeah. You know. Still is, but here we are back to tell another story and I'm coming in with a banger coming today. in hot coming in hot um we have a serial killer so which I don't think we've done too many on this podcast you more mm -mm. tend to do more of the uh, mysterious case type thing so yeah ser serial killers have is kind of new for us right um but I took this hiatus to kind of find some different cases. We are coming back very crazy because we have this case, which is weird and crazy. And yeah. And then we've got a disappearance coming up. We've got a... Sounds like you're scheduling it. Like, <laughs> I'm scheduling a disappearance scheduling next a dis Tuesday. Next Tuesday at 1 o'clock. Um, <laughs> no. Um, we've got a strange disappearance, which is kind of a locally case. Kind okay. of local to us. Um, and then we've got a big case that's going to be a multiple-parter. Um, where we're coming at it from different angles. So that'll be interesting. So yeah, uh, up on the schedule is some crazy stuff. If you'll just bear with us through our life happens stuff. Yeah, and speaking of life happens, so our audio is gonna sound a little different today. Um, one of our mics decided to charge and one decided not to. So we are going off of camera mic today. So we might sound a little more distant. You might pick up the fact that the heater just kicked on because we're in Kansas and it's 20 degrees. Sorry. <laughs> we're, we're trying to get back in the swing of things, too. It's right. um, like we had an extra long Christmas break, and we're trying to remember how to go back to school. Yeah. I had definitely an extra long break, um, but it didn't feel like a break. <laughs> but don't worry. We didn't forget about you guys. Right. No, uh, we're back. Uh, there's been some really good comments on the, um, the Spotify which, which thank we you yeah thank you we weren't getting any comments on the spotify really at first yeah um there's been some people say that they really like the podcast which thank, thank you. you yeah that's yeah unexpected 
connected. Um, we're getting quite a few still listens on YouTube. People are still interested in the Casey Anthony saga. People are still <laughs> liking and subscribing, all that good stuff that you have to say on YouTube. Right. <laughs> Smash that like button. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we have a hard time with that part. But yes, thank right. you for all of you who are smashing that like button. <laughs> Yes. Did, I, did I do that corny enough? I was trying. <laughs> <You did. laughs> um, yes, thank you for everybody who is tuning in. Even just watching one video and being like, that was good, we'll see you later. Like, <laughs> yeah. thank you. No, we do um, really appreciate it. Yeah, so today's case, I heard a little blurb about. I'm not going to get too into it because I want to surprise you, as I always do. And if you're new, this is kind of our format. Usually she does all the research and I'm coming in completely cold, know nothing about the case, don't know. She, she hasn't told me anything. Uh, all she told me is this one might be long. <laughs> so that's all, that's all I know going into this. So I'm going to be hearing along with you guys and giving my opinions and thoughts and shock. Shock and awe. Yeah, shock and awe. Um, there's definitely some discussion points in this case that we're going to get to. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> buckle up. It's kind of crazy. All right. So in that first little blurb that you were introduced to, we have um, a body. Right. Right off the bat. Not a um, mannequin. Not a mannequin. Uh, the body was posed. Um, so we're going to get into this and it's going to be very interesting. Are we ready? Yep, I think. I don't know. You're hyping this one up. Right, and it's 1990, so it's not it's, super far back, but... It's before the age of everything being recorded, but not so far back that we don't know that serial killers are a thing. Yeah. I mean, it's like post-BTK, post-Manson, post-so. I mean, we know what serial killers are at this point. Right, and I will say that this is a serial killer, but it's not a well-known serial killer. Yeah, I, I figured not. I, I didn't think you would go. <laughs> Jumping just, into Ted Bundy. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, knowing you, I didn't think you're uh, going to be coming in with one of the common cases. Right. Not at least without it being like a Casey Anthony multiple part. Yeah, for sure. So the police responded to this neighborhood, and it is Dallas's Oak Cliff. So we are in Texas. I feel like I've heard of that, but I feel like that's also a very common name. Right. I mean, they always call, you know, neighborhoods something cliff, so maybe I'm... <laughs> An oak. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, so, in the 1990s, the suburb of Dallas called Oak Cliff was a rough area. So, I don't know much about what it is now. I tried to find some things, and people were just basically like... It's an area that people live. That was about <laughs> as much as I got. So if you live or know someone who lives or has been there, drop some comments, let me know what it's like now because the research that I did at the time was like people who just lived there and weren't involved in crime was like bars on their doors, very- In the 90s. In the 90s. Um, very this was a real rough area it was known for drugs and sex workers mm -hmm. that was about it um 
So I don't know what it is now, but that's that's the feel I got from the research. Yeah, we really don't know Dallas area. I know we live in Kansas City, but Dallas is a good probably 10, 12 hours, I think. Eight, eight 12 hours, somewhere in there. So we haven't really, I mean, we've been around it before, but not much. Right. We don't know the neighborhoods. So yeah, tell us if you do know. Yeah. So this area had a really big problem with what they described as sex workers of the time. Now they did not use that word. Yeah. They used a lot of other words. And the, <laughs> I watched this little video about this case and it was very discriminatory against sex workers of this time. Which, I mean, that, that's been a problem up until like the last few years when right. people started to real. even now it's still a problem, but I think people are starting to become more aware now that, yeah. you know, I mean, that's a whole other conversation to go into, but people are starting to be more responsible just throwing that out there and not being so discriminatory. Mm-hmm. Um, they described a lot of the sex workers of that time as being addicted to crack. Now, I don't want to say all of them were. Yeah, it's never good <laughs> um, to generalize that to everyone. Right. Um, they described this area as being, I don't even know how to say it without the way that they said it that was just horrible, which was like they were kind of talking about these women as being the lower end. And that's not okay, and I don't want to say that. Um but that's how a lot of the research said it was. So, yeah, I mean, I think what I'm getting from what you're saying, and it is super hard to explain that, but I, I think a way to think of it would be, if I'm understanding what you're saying correctly, is like society might might value these people less when they yes. shouldn't, but they, they might look down on these people like how you know people do tend to turn their nose up on someone who's poor someone who's homeless someone mm -hmm. you know um like you said the whole crack thing someone who's addicted to crack um like basically yeah just society probably looks down on this area and doesn't actually treat them with respect like humans should be treated right um, um and which means the police probably didn't right really exactly yeah. and we definitely have that here um so a lot of what is described was that these mostly women were going through addictions so what they would do is use sex work to get their next hit. And then after that hit was done, that they would go back to sex work to get another hit. And that would be their lives. And that's, you know, maybe some of their choices, um, maybe not. We, we don't really know what's happening. I don't wanna generalize, but I do wanna give you a good picture of where these women were at this time. It's really not a great yeah. life that they're in. And for, I mean, for those who are hearing and going through addiction or hearing about people going through addiction, it's, mm -hmm. it's important to keep in mind that, like, 
when you're going through that, um, and I, I've never done a substance like that, but it is so hard for them to stop, not even just mentally, but physically. Mm-hmm. Like you go into physical withdrawal symptoms. And so to, you know, anybody who might be thinking, oh, we'll just stop doing it, and then you right. don't have to go back into doing sex work, uh, it's not like that. I mean, mm-hmm. you could literally die from stopping but you can, you you probably, you will die from keeping going, so, I mean, it's not as easy as just, well, just don't do it anymore. (laughs) Right. Um, They interviewed a lot of these women, and a lot of these sex workers had 20 to 50 clients a day. Wow. Um, They would agree upon, like, $20 for what they said was a flat back, which was just regular sex, Um, And so this made it extremely hard when you had a body show up and you have 20 to 50 clients that could be suspects. How do you, and it's the 90s, so like DNA was a thing, but it wasn't Touch DNA wasn't great, for sure. Yeah, it, it wasn't as good as it is now. And then, yeah, you have DNA from 20 to 50 people. So. Right. And this was all very, like, disturbing. Um, but it was this sad reality for a lot of people at this time and in this area. Um, and I'm not saying that this happens to every person who was involved in sex work. I'm not saying that it's everybody or everyone. No, but it's, I think, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I, I think that what it starting to frustrate me a little bit because this happens in true crime so much mm-hmm. is that you hear that people basically just take those people that are in sex work and just say well you know what you shouldn't have been doing it yep and they basically are like i don't care as much about you because you were doing that right um and yeah, that's that's really what was frustrating me there. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm like they, it, that's just just because they're having a hard time with it. We like should be helping people and not just being like, I don't really care about you. Why don't you you got murdered. You got what you get when you do this stuff. Right. I mean, this job is one of the oldest professions, and you're you don't go up to someone and say, oh, you're a doctor. I I don't care that you got murdered because you're a doctor. Yeah. Like, it is a profession. Right. At the end of the day, and who are we to judge? And a lot of people don't, um, you and I have talked about this before, a lot of people don't even get into it by choice. Right. Like, a lot of people are forced into it. Um, Like, we're talking about with addiction, too. Like, when you're really into addiction, you'll sell everything in your house, cheat, steal, whatever to get enough money to get the next high um and so that's kind of another way that maybe not what they wanted to be doing and they had to yep and another big thing that we're going to talk about in this case um in particular is the way that cops treated um sex workers at the time which you mentioned a little bit earlier Mm -hmm. and we've mentioned in other cases um Police were being called to this area for violence against women a lot because mm. you would have a client get mad at you and beat you up 
or not want to pay you what you agreed upon or whatever. So you had these women calling the cops and the cops would kind of just be like, well, you're in sex work. What do you expect? And that's not fair. And yeah, and that happens, happened way too much, still happens a lot. And I think now we're starting to become aware of it. Mm -hmm. Um, This is going to be a a sensitive question, but do you know from your research if this was like a primarily black area? Um, Um, The the reason why I ask is because um, it's kind of been shown that like, um, black women tend to get treated way worse, um, not even just by police, but just society in general. And so I kind of wondered if that, you know, like you, when you have sex work, they're already treated bad. When it's a black woman in sex work, it's even worse of how much the you know, police and just public in general pay attention as sad as that is. Right, and race does come up in this as we keep going, but there is a good mix. There's a good mix of um, both white and black, and of course, you know, different other races, but um, in this case, we see white victims and we see black victims, and um, so... Basically trying to understand the discrimination, like is it, you know, and you did a good job of painting that out there. I'm trying to understand if it's like just discrimination against sex workers or if it's also racial discrimination too. I'm sure there was, because I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, it happens everywhere. Yeah. And it's sad. Right. But the one thing that I did want to make clear was that even if this is your job, and you agree upon a sex act for your job, mm-hmm. violence is never acceptable. Right. Like, that is never something that should happen. And call the cops. Because that's not, I mean, I know a lot of people aren't comfortable doing that, but, like, it's just not acceptable. And it's seen here, and then murder is seen here, and that is never okay. Right, it's never okay. Uh, no matter who you are, so. That is, that is a weird thing, though. You said you said call the cops, but, I mean, what do you do when you don't think the cops are going to care? And they're going to take you to jail because you've been right, doing like, something that's illegal. So, I mean, yeah. It's hard. Call the cops is what you should do, but, like, what do you do when that's <clears throat> not really an option? That's Right. Um, you almost have to, I don't know, find ways of protecting yourself, basically. Like, if, mm-hmm. um, you know, find find ways of getting out of the situation. Find ways of, you know, if you are getting attacked, find self-defense. You know, I, I'm not saying fight violence with violence, but if you have to disable the person attacking you, do it. Yeah. And I think what we saw here a lot was... The police, these women were well known to the police because they were getting multiple calls about violence. So these police officers knew what they were doing and they weren't taking them to jail every time. They were, you know, they had, they showed a little bit of sympathy right. um, in these instances, but yeah, that's what we're seeing. Yeah, and there's a lot of people, and I, I think sometimes I sound that way too, that are like, all police are bad. I don't think all police are bad. Right. But I do think that there are some police that are bad, and um, I think, yeah, I mean, that gets into a touchy subject, but I think there's 
think a lot of police officers could get into it for the wrong reason because the incentive to have that power. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess my point with that is not some of those police officers were probably going by saying like I know this is what you have to do just check in, in on them and mm -hmm. then there's probably some that were you know I don't care I got into this to abuse my power right um, so yeah it's probably a mix of both mm -hmm. so as we go back to our scene which I talked about in the first part you have this woman who is a sex worker you have her lay down on the street dead um, partially clothed or I think this particular victim was fully naked in a very posed position so you have this killer wanting her to be found this way and posed to allude of her job being something horrible um, and Kind of drawing attention to this which i mean feels like all marks of serial killers i mm -hmm. mean i i don't know what it is and maybe maybe you know from what you've watched so much but, but like serial killers want the attention they want to be found most of the time like they want they don't want to you know they don't want to die and then people not know what they did like mm -hmm. they want it out there and they want they want people to look at them. And I think a lot of times in cases when um, killers killed people who they didn't agree with their profession, <laughs> they did. They tried did. to make a statement. They tried to make a, make a statement. They tried to say, you know, what I was doing was right, and it's not. But right. that in their mind, I feel like that's kind of where they're Yeah, uh, like some kind of righteous vigilante type thing. Right. Which ridding the world of sex workers. Like your, your views are your views, just don't hurt anyone over them. Right. I mean, that's. I, I don't care what religion you are. I don't care anything about that. Just don't hurt anybody over your views, because that's where it kind of crosses a line. Mm -hmm. So when investigators arrived, they found out that they had known and they do know their victims very well. Thirty-three-year-old Mary Pratt. She had worked in sex work for a long time, and usually... Just, sorry, just think about that statement. You said she's 34. 33. 33, and she's worked in sex work for a long time. Yes. That's... A lot of these women started when they were teenagers. That is so sad. I mean, if that's what, if that's what she wanted to be doing... That's one thing, but like if it was a thing she was forced into, it's, it's very sad. It's um, very, very sad. I feel like you at 33, you shouldn't <clears throat> be saying anybody's been doing anything for a long time. Like right. you're still pretty young, is yeah. I guess what I was. Yeah. You're, you're pretty young to be saying you've been doing something for a long time. Right. Yep. And she, you know, she had probably been in it since she was a teen. Right. Um, yeah. It's very, very sad. Um, and she always worked and was known to work at the local Star Motel in Oak Cliff. Um, sex workers often called for help for from their clients from this hotel. So the police knew her. They knew where she worked very well. They even knew some of her clients. Um, however, a murder was very different. Um, 
of a sex worker. This usually didn't happen. It was usually they were beat up, but never really murdered. Now, murder wasn't, you know... It wasn't like it never happened. Never, yeah, because this was a rough area. They did have crime. They did have their share of shootings and drug crimes and all of that. But this was different and in the way that this happened and who it was and it just was very surprising. Um, so the scene had some weird things right off the bat. Police noted that the woman was shot in the head, but there was no blood around her body. Crime scene technicians speculated that she had likely been killed somewhere else and then dumped there. Uh, there was no semen found after a rape kit was taken. Uh, there was some hairs, but really no other DNA evidence. Because of the number of clientele that Mary had seen recently, it was hard to narrow down who it was. She was wearing a t-shirt and a bra when she was found. She was also very badly beaten. Police took her fingerprints and compared them in their database, proving that it was in fact Mary. While canvassing the area, a neighbor said that shortly before dawn, she heard a car door and a car drive away, but that wasn't really wasn't much to go on. It was just something happened in the morning. Yep, and it was obvious that she was dumped there after being killed somewhere else. Um, during her autopsy, the medical examiner theorized that Mary was shot with a .44 caliber gun, but when she tried to open the victim's eyes, she made a very shocking discovery. Mary don't like that. They were gone. <sighs> yeah, well, that's not where I thought you were going, but that's not good. Uh, the victim had no eyeballs whatsoever. Um, this, so, I mean, you're twisted if you're a serial killer, but this is already pretty twisted. Right. Um, the body showed no scarring or injury around the eyes. Uh, so it was very unusual. There was, surgeon? there was no damage to the eyelid. Um, they had to get a surgical tool under the eyelid and cut the six major muscle groups that connected the eye to the socket. Jeez. Then remove the eye and shut the eyelid. So yeah, it that's just me literally. A bit. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh my gosh. It was just literally that the eyeball was taken. Um, I am. I'm really starting to go surgeon. Like, at first I was like, they threw that out there as a joke, but then now I'm kind of like, it was half a joke, but now I'm kind of like, how do you, but you don't get that from learning to hunt and stuff. Like, some of the other, be like, you can say like, oh yeah, I mean, they've, they've hunted before, so they, that's different. You don't do that when you hunt. This is, this is. Yeah, and you didn't have YouTube back then. Not that that's a YouTube video somebody could find. <laughs> but you didn't have YouTube, like, how to remove surgery really in somebody's eyes. I really hope that's it, but I bet it would have a million views. Uh, I, please don't do that, anybody yeah, that sees it. Like, we don't need this video out there. I really don't. Talk about YouTube, man. This is not going to get monetized. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it's a pretty good chance, probably not. I was sitting here thinking, I'm like, I don't even know, I don't know the rules on Spotify, but that that may even get. <sighs> um. So the medical examiner was fascinated by this and just mind blown that this is even a thing. Whoever had killed Mary removed her eyeballs with precision usually limited to surgeons or morticians. I promise I didn't know this was (laughs) Right. So he took her eyes out and then took them with him, too. Like, they were not at the scene. It's so weird. Yes. Um, So, if you didn't already know by now, this is the story of the eyeball killer. I I didn't know that was his name, and that is... (laughs) Not very creative. It's not. (laughs) Um, So welcome to the eyeball killer, everyone. It makes me think of, uh, so around Christmas time we watched Home Alone. um, Mm -hmm. And uh, it makes me think of the guy that was like, we're going to leave the water running before we leave. We're going to be the wet bandits. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, it's got to be a more creative name than that, surely. Yep. Well, so here we are. Uh, our first victim has no eyeballs. I can't yeah. imagine what like the police are thinking in this case to you. Mm-hmm. They're, they're gotta be like, because this isn't just a normal murder. Like right. this is uh, the I don't know if I want to say targeted, but this is I don't know. There's a message in it. Mm-hmm. I guess, and they. I feel like there's a lot of messages in this. Yeah, and I think they they probably realize, but then you have to be like, what? What is the like? Right now, I'm sitting here. What is the mess? I don't know. So I'm sure they were too. They were like, probably sitting there going, I hope this is just one. <laughs> like, I hope this stops here. Right. Well, it, it did doesn't. not. <laughs> uh, February tenth, nineteen ninety one. We have another victim. Her name is Susan Beth Peterson, and she's 27 years old. Now, the research that I found, Susan was a tough, strong woman. I feel like you probably have to be to be in sex work in general. Mm-hmm. Um, she was beautiful, and she was smart. But she really did put these men in their place from time to time. <laughs> Good. Um, she was known to have been... A tough sex worker but also she was tough to the police like she would go toe to toe and cuss those cops out and not feel bad about it at all um, so she was a sex worker in the same neighborhood as Mary um, and so they were familiar with Susan as well um, because she was yeah, in their yeah. face cussing them out. Yeah, I was going to say, that would make her familiar with them for sure. Right. Um, and she was not to be messed with, that is for sure. Um, in her young years, Susan had been in the Navy. And that gave her this toughness and street smarts and tenacity, really, that mm. she needed. Later. I imagine if you were in the Navy, she probably has self-defense skills, too. <clears throat> yep. Um, so let's talk about this scene. She was found on the same road as Mary, just outside the Dallas city limits. Um, she was nearly nude. She was posed and laid out in almost the same way as the other victim. She had been shot three times in the back of the head. 
there was a condom package placed next to her body, but no semen was found at the scene. Um, so this was also, I feel like, a sign or, you know, purposely placed there. Right. Um, there was a lot of discussion on the police force now if we have someone who is killed twice. Because I assume her eyes were removed as well. We're getting there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't want to say because I thought you were probably getting there. But. Yep. Um, <clears throat> so they were like, is this, is this? But the medical examiner found that her eyes had been removed as well. So now they're like, okay, we have... We got a pattern. We have a pattern. We, and they called it in the, the little thing I watched, a repeater. <laughs> <laughs> Which I was like, that is... Is that like a weird word for it? Is that like, <laughs> yeah, that is a weird word for it. It's almost like they're saying not quite a serial killer, yeah. but not a one time thing, like right. somewhere in the middle, which I didn't, so I didn't really think of that as being a thing. I mean, I kind of feel like after you go over one at two different times, that basically makes you a serial killer, right. Okay, so now people were freaking out, um, and the FBI got involved. Um, they created... It seems quick for the FBI to get involved. It does. It does. I mean, which is a good thing. I think the majority of it was that there was eyeballs removed. Okay, so I... think I, they were like... <laughs> I have to ask the question, because I think people at home would be wondering this, and it is a very morbid question. Okay. Do they know if the eyeballs were removed post-mortem, like after they passed away? Or do they know if the victims were still alive when that happened? Um, I think they believe it was post-mortem. That's good, at least, because, I, I mean, none of this is good. Right. That sounds like absolute torture if they, yeah. if they hadn't passed away. Yeah, I think <clears throat> um, probably due to blood. Right. Um, and all of that. They do know um, that it was postmortem, but it didn't really exactly say that either. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I know that was a messed up thought, but like, mm-hmm. if this serial killer was trying to torture them and trying to teach them a lesson, basically, then I don't know what torture they're capable of. Right. So they created this behavioral analysis team, um, and (laughs) this is something that they were new to. They're like, someone taking eyeballs. This is not new, or this is not, like, something we're used to. And I I mentioned that they knew that serial killers were a thing, but this is also the 90s. It's not that much history with serial killers at that point yet. Mm -hmm. I mean kind of somewhere in the middle like it's just starting to become a um thing that they'll have data on psychologically of what why these people are doing it right i mean it was probably about 20 years old at this time maybe yeah around there so i mean there's some data but there's you know like you said there's no why would you remove eye data (laughs) yeah right (laughs) Like, like um you don't have that big of a set of data to to operate off of and make um, cause you said behavioral analysis, you can't make a very good pattern when you don't have any data to go off of. Right. So they were wondering what psychologically was going on here. And I am too. Yeah. I, I, 
I wrote that down. We have the same question. Um, so their analysis um, kind of is more general than I thought was. I wanted the nitty gritty. I assume uh, it's because they didn't really know. They had to generalize yeah. it because they couldn't pin it down either. Right. So when they painted this picture of this guy, this is what they said. Uh, first, he hates women. Like, no lie. So, <laughs> that's pretty obvious. He, two, yeah. two women victims, <laughs> brutally murdered. Posed in that way. Posed in that way, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, they didn't, probably didn't even have to say that. Right. Um, it's kind of sad to say that we have to talk about this, but there was a trend of men killing sex workers. Um, a lot in like the 70s, 80s. It even goes back to like Jack the Ripper and stuff like that. Like, it almost kind of hits on what I was trying to get at earlier when I asked if it was um, a certain ethnicity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that a lot of serial killers will target um, victims that they think they can get away with more, I think. Um, like that's what it feels like to me and so when you're saying that like it was a big thing with a lot of serial killers I think that is because people didn't care as much about sex workers and so it was like they were um, trying to do things where they wouldn't get caught as quick Mm -hmm. if that makes sense yeah Um, and you also kind of have this trend of like men feeling that women and women's bodies are their possessions in a way. Um, and which they're not. Yep. And that's uh, kind of (laughs) in case anybody didn't know that. (laughs) Make that clear. (laughs) Right. Um, also what I found was really interesting in this documentary was they talked about how, um, both of these sex workers, both of these victims were female and white and they talked about how they predicted that this would be a white male because a lot of serial killers don't go cross race yeah i've I've heard that before too Mm -hmm. i don't it's a weird thing right i'm sure there's some psychological analysis that explains that but i i don't know it yeah they talked a little bit about it and they're like well that's just the way it is and I'm like, but I want to know why. Right. <laughs> um, so that's interesting. Um, but they said that he might have a background in science or in the medical field because of the IFL rule. Right. Um, and then he, they said he would be respected member of the community, and they would never guess that this would be who this would be. Which I mean, you take um, BTK was like a big part of his church, big part of his community. Ted Bundy, mm-hmm. I think they always said just kind of... He's in law school. Yeah, and they said Ted Bundy always kind of like blended in. Like he, he wouldn't ever... If you met him, you would just think he was a normal person. And it's a, a lot of serial killers. It's just they blend in with the community. Gacy was like friends with cops. Ed Kemper was I, friends okay. with cops. Don't laugh at me, people. I'm not, not big with the serial killer thing. Um, was Gacy the clown one? Mm-hmm. Okay. I yeah. was, thought you were going to say, is, is, was that his profession? Yes. I mean, most of the time, yeah. I am. 
Yeah, move on from that. <laughs> now that's no. I know what now. Why everybody's afraid of clowns? Yeah, that was the profession. Was I, I'm I am not afraid of clowns, but <laughs> mm, I don't know. Now I started you are. to think about that. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, you should watch like the Gacy tapes. I don't know. I've heard the hers pretty rough. I don't. It's rough. It's rough. I'll tell it sometime. <laughs> All right. Um, I don't know if I'm looking forward to it, but <laughs> I almost said looking forward to it. Right. So that was their basic analysis of what this guy would be. And I mean, I wanted to know psychologically the, what is going on here. And yeah. I don't think we got the chance to know uh, with be, this guy, but. I would love for someone to go back and now reanalyze this case and reanalyze this person because I bet we know more. it's been like 30 years since this happened I bet we know a lot more about you know what could have caused this stuff and people could have made a better um, a better analysis of this killer so right. I, I would be really interested if what would that be though like a criminal psychologist maybe yeah um, go back and reanalyze this case would be really interesting. Well, there is some stuff later when we get to find out who this is. Right. But in the middle of it, like, how are you going to yeah. find this person when all you have is, you know... Probably blends in with the community doesn't like women. Right. <laughs> That's every... Hey, never mind. Not every. <laughs> not, not every. Not every. Uh, but a lot. She's going with the, the every... I don't know if you want to say every black male or just every man, but that's where you're going, I know. I, yeah. I don't, I'm not, I disassociate you. I'm not one of them. I'm not a part of their community. <laughs> <laughs> you need that, that sign. There was like a, um, or was it, was it on that documentary we watched or something? But it, it was a white guy and he's oh, holding up a sign no, that said, I'm the problem. So yeah, I was going to, I was going to make that comment too. It was a, the comedian that we watched, Neil. Oh, Neil that's Brennan. right. Okay. Is it Neil Brennan? Yeah. Okay. Um, he was like, he's like, I basically go to, to a protest and I carry a sign that says, I'm the problem. <laughs> <laughs> because, because he's protesting himself. Um, right. In most cases, which a really relatable joke it's a <laughs> fighting for well you know wanting to fight for justice for everybody else when it's like white males causing most of the problems it's yeah i i feel you man it um <laughs> i it, all i could basically do is hold a sign and say sorry for all the other you know what all the other white males are doing i'm trying not to be one of them right <laughs> Um, okay, so moving on. Um, they also said that he would be happy with the amount of attention that he's getting. Um, yeah, because he's definitely trying to make news, trying to... Mm -hmm. He liked being feared. Right. Same Same with BTK, too. Like, BTK was... And I, we keep going back to BTK, but the, I keep going back to BTK because that's one of the only serial killers I really know. <clears throat> um, and that was his thing. Like, he wanted to be infamous. Yeah. Like, even when he was in the court, he was like, I want to show you how much I know about being a serial killer. And, I mean, we're already demonetized, probably, on this one. 
We'll just say what Morbid always says. Fucking Dennis. Yeah, right. <laughs> if you haven't watched Morbid's BTK, you should. It's good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, they didn't have a lot to go on uh, until someone came forward and said that they, they were with Mary on the night that she died. Now, Mary's our first victim. Um, this woman was a sex worker. She had not come forward until now because she thought that she was going to get in trouble, um, which is really, really sad. Mm -hmm. um, she said that Mary and her and the killer all had a threesome the night of the murder. She said that after the job was done, that Mary got in a fight with the killer and he shot her. And that this woman witnessed it. She ran to a nearby house. She described the man that did all this as a man with salt and pepper hair and a white pickup truck. The police uh, didn't believe her. What? Why? Straight up said she was lying. Um, a lot of reasons. First, because she was a sex worker and she was involved in a crime that night, technically. Um, and they describe this woman, and even in the documentary that I watched, horribly. They say that she had been using cocaine a lot, which she does admit to, but they call her brain fried, they call her a liar, they call her all of these things. These are the police talking in this documentary about this woman Sorry. and why they didn't believe her. I mean, I... Here's the thing. I think you have to investigate every lead, though. You have to. <laughs> like, yeah. no matter what the mental capacity of the person who is reporting it, I, I mean, what other leads do you have to go on right nothing. now? Nothing. You, ha you have nothing else. Like at least check it out mm -hmm. and it also makes me think too so like um the other thought that popped into my head was you were so when you were talking about it being like him removing eyes and it being like a surgical process almost made me think like okay this guy was very methodical very planned out mm -hmm. and then her story sounds like Chaotic. it just happened yeah and then it, it was like it triggered something for this person. So it, it almost, to me, conflicts with what I thought he was going to be. I, I figured he was very planned out if mm -hmm. he was doing stuff. I mean, to remove somebody's eyes, you've got to imagine you're not probably using like a, a machete. Like, <laughs> you probably got tools on you or something. I don't know. Right. Um, like, it just, I felt like he was planning for it, and then now it kind of makes me question whether he was planning on it or whether it just happened. Yeah. For the first one, at least. Right. Because a lot of people, that, that first one happens, and then it starts, that's when it starts a, an actual serial killer pattern. And you're absolutely right. So, uh, what they kind of painted in this documentary was that there was these two women, two sex workers who were involved with this man and they were in this like field doing this which i mean could have happened or yeah. a lot or something like that but it painted it like they were outside 
Mary got in a fight with the killer. He shot her. And then this other woman, which they did say her name. I'm not going to say her name because she's yeah. surviving and I... Right. Try to... Yeah. Be respectful. Right. But um, just took off and went to another house um, to seek help. Right. Um, it does seem extremely chaotic. Yeah. And it seems like, why would you let that woman get away? Why, you right. know, I mean, all of it just seems very unplanned. Yeah. But it is the first kill. So, I mean, sometimes the first kill is very chaotic. I feel like it a lot of times is. I mean. And uh, she was dropped where she was at. So did he just take her body and then do the eyes yeah. somewhere else and then drop right. her? Which That's possible, yeah. means he just wanted her eyes. Which is just crazy to me. Um, and, sorry, I, a lot of thoughts going through my head. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, I mean, oh, where was I? Now, now I'm losing it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, he, he participated in the act, too, which is kind of weird. Um, mm -hmm. Like, if he wasn't planning on killing her, then he was actually hiring... Sex worker. A sex worker. Mm -hmm. um, so if he's against it, but he was actually going to hire the sex worker, like that's what he was going to do, and he what may, maybe meant to just like beat her up. I, I don't know, but there is a lot of uh, men serial killers who will engage in sex work across the board without killing them too, just because. They are either sex addicts or they enjoy it, and then either they fight back and they don't like that, mm. so that's when they get killed, or they are fighting internally with, I don't like this, but I'm doing it, Right. Well, and I, they end up murdering. That happens a lot with, um, with killers who focus on like uh, LGBTQ too, right? Where mm -hmm. a lot of them um, are questioning their sexuality and Why am I having that, sex with a man? And then they target men. Right. Um, yeah. I, I've, I've heard that too. And, and I mean, it, it does happen with pedophiles as well. Sometimes. Yeah. I mean, across the board, like a lot of times you have an internal fight with someone that just bubbles over. I, I hope it's getting better now with us actually paying attention to mental health because yeah. that just seems so preventable that yes. like if you're having an internal struggle with who you are mm -hmm. uh, if you actually got help if you actually went and talked to a therapist you actually probably can talk some of these things out and understand it mm -hmm. whereas in the 70s through 2000s that really wasn't a thing that you were supposed to do, especially if you were, I think I've even said this before on our podcast, if you're, if you're a male, there's a stigma that you're not supposed to go talk and do therapy mm -hmm. it is absolutely wrong. I right. think we all know that now mm -hmm. and it's okay to get therapy. Yeah, absolutely. So you should actually, everybody, everybody probably could benefit from it. Even if, even if you don't have major issues like that, it's still beneficial to, to work on things like that. Mm -hmm. Alright, so March 10th, 1991. Now, this is just a couple of months after our last victim. We have another 
victim. So he's, it's pretty frequent, mm-hmm. it sounds like. Yeah. Third victim was named Shirley Williams. Um, she was found, and this just shocked everyone because she was not the typical um, victim. She was black. Um, and Which completely threw off their... Their, what they thought. Yeah, their, yeah. their behavioral pattern. Which, and it threw off a lot of people in the community, too, because, like, they talked about how you have... You're coming to these sex workers and you're saying, look, white sex workers are dying. So a lot of black sex workers were like, we're not, yeah, we're <laughs> this not dude's tight. We're not, you know. Right. So they just kept involving themselves right. in, you know, cl- with clients. And then they were like, oh, this could happen to us too now. You it know, sound, It sounds horrible, but it's almost feels like it was like a process of elimination for them like them being like what is the thing that's triggering him is it right is it you know is it a race thing well then no now they just eliminated that it's not a race thing for him it's most likely sex work mm-hmm. um but it's almost like the more victims the more they're like well it's not this thing yeah you know and that's sad that it has to take more for them to find them but there's not a lot of evidence right and now you're also having these behavioral analysis you know experts saying well do we have a black man that we're looking for or a white man yeah like because... they just they just went back on their, right their profile they're like oh, <clears throat> we gotta take a step back our profile wasn't right right um also what was different about shirley was she was found lying near an elementary school mm. um now a waitress found her thank the lord that children didn't find her right. it's never good for anyone to find her but no yeah and uh, <sighs> this is another thing to think about is like that's we, we obviously focus on the victims but also victims are the people who find these people right. because you know that they are never gonna that that image is never gonna leave their mind yeah and i will warn you i will post the um the links that i've used but in that little documentary they did show a lot of crime scene photos they were very interesting and very important to see but they're hard to see that's a another i mean we can make it we could and probably should make another episode of like the ethical dilemma of that dilemma of that yeah because what was it um was it the it was the one that was it the Golden State Killer that the families were extremely upset that their loved ones crime scene photos were used. Yeah, and I understand and I agree. That. Yeah, yeah. I, and I don't want to see them. Like, right? <laughs> yeah. I I come upon a documentary and I'm like, man, because you you want just to see that. you just said that, and I'm like, well, I, I don't want to watch that documentary. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, um, yeah, I could listen to the documentary, but I don't think I want to see it. Yeah, I think those should be, I mean, I do think that investigators need to look at a crime scene and look at everything that they have before them. I mean, But may, us, we don't have to see that. Yeah. We don't need to see that. Yeah, I was going to say, like, maybe they could do enough with, like, blurring it or, but still, it, even then, I think it's too much. Yeah. I mean, in any way, shape, or form, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Um, but I, I don't think I need to see the crime scene photos. I can hear what they describe, and that's even then it's probably too much for the families, but don't make them re see it. Right. 
Um, so a waitress found her. Um, Shirley was nude and propped up against the curb. A condom wrapper was lying beside her, which was saying as the second victim. Um, so she was not our typical sex worker as well. Um, she was a maid by day and a sex worker at night just to have some income. Um, her body was also further away from the other victims. Uh, two vi the two first victims were found kind of close together. She was found in a different area. Um, however, her eyes had been removed, just like the previous other two victims. So that's how they connected these three women. So with the different, a different location, I think he's probably sending a different <clears throat> message or sending it sending his message in a different way, but also I think he's trying to throw them off their tracks a little bit by doing a different place. Because mm -hmm. like before, they're probably like, okay. Because I think they tend to be like, all right, well, it keeps happening in this area. Right. So he obviously is in this area. Yeah. But then if he goes somewhere else to do something and they're probably like, is he in this area? Right. So, I mean, he's... Seems like he's starting to kind of figure out the game a little bit and trying to trying to work the work the game in his favor. Mm -hmm. um, so what was interesting about this one was the removal of the eyes was not as precise and professionally done this time. It was a little more sloppy. The cut was sloppy. Um, there was also a deep cut by the eye. Mm. Um, and inside of that cut was a little piece of exacto knife um and it had broken off in the cut um so he was getting sloppier he either was interrupted he didn't have enough time something happened because now he left what would have been not the murder weapon, but something he used yeah. in there. So now we know it's an exacto knife. Um, he also had left a few pubic hairs um, that were on the body. Which, I mean, so the, the exacto knife thing has got me thinking that is a weird, you know, like I, I was talking earlier about the machete. Like I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have guessed exacto knife if you were asking me how he remove the eyes I would not have guessed exacto knife I mean that's I don't know what I would have guessed be quite I don't, honest I don't know what I would have guessed either but not, <laughs> I just not that I guess I don't yeah. know that's it's so weird but I mean I don't know I, like you said I don't know what I would have guessed because I'm not in his headspace thankfully yeah um she had a lot of facial bruises and a broken nose she had been shot in the face and then it went through the top of her head um, a medical examiner in the field pulled back the eyelids before they even took her in and discovered her eyes were missing and they said, yep, we're So, this. I mean, at this point, it's gotten to where the people who are showing up on site are just like, is it this? Right. Like this, e even the non-police force are starting to be like, there's a pattern, let's check for the pattern. Right. So, now we've got everybody on deck um, and we start just interviewing as many sex workers in the area as possible, which they should have done after, <laughs> after the, the first, first one. one. Yeah. But we have... Or just listen to the one who came forward after the second one. Exactly. Um, we have one 17-year-old girl who is a sex worker on the street. 
Um, and she had been doing it for a few years, so that's pretty sad. sad yeah. um, but she was a witness because she said that she got into a man's car that fit the description. She wanted to go to a hotel, but the man just wanted to park somewhere. Um, she was like, we're not having that. So he attacked her and started choking her. She took out Mace and maced him and then ran away. Um, she came forward to police after this and said, you know, he fit the description. Um, he had that salt and pepper hair, um, and his car was similar. Um, <clears throat> so this was the same description as the woman who they didn't believe. Right. Um. But now maybe that they have to go before they start. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> train of stuff here um yeah so they started kind of trying to go back and think about the woman who description the first woman mm -hmm. who said that she had a threesome with the killer so they went back they they looked at her interview again and they said that she had ran to find shelter at a nearby house, and that man's name was Axel. Okay? And the names, man. Right. Axel had told her he knew who that killer was. You know when names, like, <laughs> immediately give you an impression of what this person's like? I feel like <laughs> Axel, I'm like... <laughs> but like I it's can the see, 90s, man. But like I can see Axel in my, in my brain. Um, yeah. And Axel is, I mean, I don't even know. I don't think I would be running to Axel's house for comfort. <laughs> right. And it doesn't sound like he's done anything wrong. It's just the, that name. Yep. Um, he told her that night that he knew the killer. So you're like, how is Axel, yeah. what, what's going on here, right? So the police decided to go back to the address of this man and... The address that that name was tied to came up with the ending of Albright. So people are like, all right, so we got this Axel guy. He says he knew the killer. The man that owns the house names is Albright. Let's look into Albright. Right, and see if he's like his roommate or something. Yes. How messed up is that if she was there with the first victim and literally ran to the killer's house. Yeah, it'd be pretty messed up. So, at the around the same time as all of this was going on, and they're trying to figure out who Axel is, and they're trying to figure out who this Albright person is, a tip came in. This tip was from a woman who said she dated 56-year-old Charles Albright. She said that he loved two things in life. And they're probably not good. Exacto knives and eyes. What? <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> I... Who loves those two things? Yeah. Just so, this man, apparently. So I, I love, like, pizza and sports and video <laughs> games. Like, <laughs> who loves exacto knives and eyes? What? <laughs> uh, like, is that... I shouldn't be making jokes, but I mean, like, 
Is that something he like puts on a would put on a dating profile? Like <laughs> I like long walks on the beach, exacto knives, and eyeballs. <laughs> not not like looking into your eyes, like taking <laughs> the actual, them out. Yeah, the actual eyeball. Yeah, like. Ugh. Ugh. Oh my god. So he also had a criminal history of robbery and sexual assault of a teenage girl. Um, the 17 year old was shown a picture of Charles Albright, uh, the one that was the one that yeah. came forward and mm-hmm. the second tip, I guess. Yep, and she was like, Yeah, that's him. Um, why did they not go back to the first? I know they don't trust her as a witness, but I mean, ask her, it doesn't hurt to check, right? So they went back to the first, oh, okay, so they did, okay. Mm-hmm. And they said, all right, we're going to show you a lineup. And she was terrified of this man. She was like, that's him. She wouldn't even, like, yeah. At first, she wouldn't even say it was him because she was so scared. Yeah. Um, But they put two and two together. They're like, all right, something's going on with Charles Albright. He likes eyes. (laughs) Let's go hunt him down. Whew. So let's talk about who Charles Albright is. Um, he was common law married to a woman and lived close to the district that these sex workers frequented. He also owned rental property near wow. where the two first victims were found. So that's a weird, kind of lucky coincidence that one thing led to another. Right. So he owned that property right. that Axel yep. was at. And Axel was like, yeah, I know the killer. He's Which makes landlord. me think... <laughs> Which makes me think that Axel knew more than he said he did. I think so, too. Come yeah. on, man. Yeah. Like. Like, I I think I know that guy. He right. really likes X-Acto knives. Uh, he really likes eyes and X-Acto knives? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Which, did he just offer up that information to everyone he knew? <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, see my X-Acto knife? It's pretty cool. Yeah. I also like eyeballs. Yeah. Can I look at your eyes? No. No. Please don't. Um, so they also interviewed a lot of the sex workers in the area, and they said that they recognized him and that he was in the area a lot. So Charles first denied ever being with a sex worker at all. He said, I've never been with a sex worker. Never. Um, he said he uh, had never been with a sex worker at all in his life. He would never been in that area. Not me. They searched his vehicle. They didn't find any DNA evidence. Nothing. Um, they also fat, like searched his home. They found many knives, many exacto knives, <laughs> many guns. <laughs> um, he had exacto knives of the same brand. Like people confuse me. Like brains confuse me in general. How? Yeah. Set aside the eye thing. Mm-hmm. Who has like a thing for collecting exacto? What happened in your life to make you all of a sudden want to collect exacto knives? Like, there's got to be a childhood memory trauma or something, right? There's some stuff we'll talk about. Oh, okay, all right. But yeah, fair enough. I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> uh, he also had the same brand of condoms that was left close to the victims, but all of this mm-hmm. is circumstantial. Okay, the guy likes uh, X-Acto knives and has the same brand of condoms. Right. But there was nothing... Uh, no proof yet. Right. They're like, where are the eyeballs? 
That's what I want to know. Yeah. What did he do with the eyeballs? Yeah. Huh. So, let's talk about Charles Albright, his past, and maybe what led up to what was going on here. So, Charles Albright was adopted, and he was told his whole life that his birth mother was a sex worker and very degrading things about the profession. So that right there... See, your words have consequences, parents or foster mm -hmm. parents or adoptive parents. Like, I get that you probably are wanting to make sure he doesn't go down the same path, but if you teach kids to hate, when they're kids, they're probably going to hate when they're adults. Right. So you have this little child who's told, your mother gave you up because she's a sex worker and she doesn't love you. So, my work is done here. Thank you for coming. See you next week. Yeah. Um, that is why. That's why you have this. That's why, yeah. Look what you created. Look at what you did. Yeah. Um, so. It's not easy being a parent, but I, I, you don't try to make kids hate someone right right like kids don't hate by default mm -hmm. like if you it just that's the problem <laughs> yeah um charles adopted mom was very overprotective um from all accounts she was a pretty great mom um but she did hover a lot mm -hmm. she tried to protect him a lot i don't know why but i kind of felt like um when you said that that she was um, not necessarily she, because I was thinking both parents, but mm -hmm. it kind of made me think that whoever was telling him this from the parent side was trying to be like, don't search out your mom. Yeah. You should love us. We you are should, your yeah. parents. Like, don't go looking for your parent because we are your parents. And I understand that feeling, but that's not the right way, obviously, to go about it. Right. Um, she, Charles was their only father, um, and his mother raised them, raised him very overprotective, very much, I don't even know how to say it, like, just very... She was the helicopter parent. She right? was, yeah. Um, she also raised goats so that he could have... <laughs> I didn't expect that. <laughs> so that he could have fresh goat milk. So she's, she's kind of like trying to yeah. be natural, not you know, as yeah. healthy as possible, which is fine, but right. like it's kind of a... Um, she's that mom that was like, I won't buy you a Happy Meal. There's uh, stuff in there that's bad. <laughs> which I mean, if the, that's people's thing, that, that's fine, but... It, right. um, but you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, no, no I know. I, but <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like there's, a, there's levels to it, right? Mm -hmm. There's... You know, people who are cool buying a Happy Meal. There's people who are like, all right, I'm going to shop at Whole Foods. And there's people who are going to raise a goat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that's, that's a whole nother level yeah. than I just want to prepare foods from Whole Foods. Like, <laughs> if you're actually raising the goat, yeah, you're you're on a different level. Yep. Um, Charles was smart. He skipped two grades. Um, and his mother made sure that he did his studies and that he was kept in a lot of activities. He played piano and he painted. Um, and then he got into a very different passion of his, 
um, that him and his mom did together. Taxidermy. God. <laughs> this is so weird. I don't know why, but this is like... I play the piano and also do taxes. Like, <laughs> this is a weird family that, like, they do so conflicted things. <laughs> I don't know. It's I just... was like, how does one get into taxidermy? But apparently his mother was very into it as well. I just, like, so if you picture a place where they're doing taxidermy, you don't see them having a piano at that place. Yeah, no. That's, you picture, like, some creepy shed. With, yeah. Like, some, yeah, you don't picture somebody playing, um, I forgot what that song's Mozart. called. Mozart. Yeah, um, you don't, you don't see somebody playing Bach while they're doing taxidermy <laughs> in the background. That's what creates a serial killer. Um. Yeah. Beethoven is what I was thinking of. The it's like Symphony Number no. Nine or whatever, the one that's always in all the scary movies. Right? Like, yeah. You never hear somebody playing that while they're doing taxidermy. And if you do, I'm pretty sure that's what creates a serial killer. Yes. Um. So <laughs> they talked in a lot of the articles that I read about him as taxidermy was like his passion, like him and his mom's passion, which like. I mean. People do taxidermy. It's not me. I, it's not my thing. But, like, <laughs> I don't understand how that can be a passion, but I know that it is a thing that you can be passionate about and it not lead you to be a serial killer. I <laughs> so don't know I don't very wanna, many of them, though. <laughs> I don't want to, like, I don't know any taxidermists, <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, I, I assume not all taxidermists are serial killers, is what I'm trying to assume. I'm trying to give the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> Here's where in the comments everybody who's ever done taxidermy is like, yeah. hey, I'm I'm not a serial killer. Right, yeah. Um but are you? Um, okay. So <laughs> him and his mom would stuff birds and small animals in their What? Taxidermy. Oh, wait, say that again. <laughs> <laughs> him and his mom would stuff birds and small animals as taxidermists. Okay, so I'm hearing that as <laughs> you saying they are stuffing birds into small animals. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's what you... That's, you took it way far. But no, it, it sounded like you said in, not and. And, and I okay. heard it twice. <laughs> I heard you say stuffing birds in small animals, and I'm like... Serial killer. Like, yeah, for sure. 100% at that point. Even the, the mom, too. Get the mom, too. Right. Um, so, okay. <laughs> let me just let me go back. Um. Uh, please tell me on the video if you guys heard that, too. If you heard her say it that way, please let me know. Charles and his mother were taxidermists. They <laughs> would taxidermy small birds... And, and small animals in their pastime. Okay, alright. It's still not a great sentence. Like, that's not something I want to ever it's say. Not, no, but... But, I, but <laughs> stuffing words into small animals is... We're going to have to clip that into a TikTok. We are. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, um, <laughs> this it gets weirder. Oh, how? Buckle up. How? So his and then mother. And my messed up mind too when you said uh, birds into small animals. I immediately go turducken. Turducken. <laughs> they made taxidermy <laughs> turduckens. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even. Uh, Where are we? We're right done now? for the week. We lost. We lost our way. <laughs> oh my goodness. So it gets weirder. So his mother was very cheap when they did taxidermy. So she would cut out costs in certain ways. One of them was that she didn't want to buy the fancy glass eyeballs to put in the stuffed animals. So they would use buttons, black buttons. And this traumatized Charles because no, he wanted the glass eyeballs and not the buttons and he didn't think it was fair. Okay, so Charles seemed spoiled, uh, first bit. of all, and second of all, man, like, what kind of taxidermy was she? At first I was like, what costs are there in taxidermy? <laughs> right. And then I heard glass eyeballs are the the cost, but she used buttons? Like... They show no. pictures of these things, and be no thank nightmares. you. Like, no thank you. You're a terrible taxidermist. Like, nobody is going to want your taxidermy. No one's going to want anything you do ever. Uh, yeah. Just stay away. But anyway, so this became his obsession with eyeballs and all of that. Um, <laughs> what a weird... What a weird way. I don't... I don't what a weird story. This is just a weird story. Just yeah, admit it. This it's is a weird, weird. It's a weird story, but like... Like, I feel like the other um, people who weren't victims or like even maybe the victims' families are going to be like, so you're telling me that he did this because his mom wouldn't buy glass eyeballs for her taxidermy. Like, yeah. I mean... I mean, like, there's something off, obviously. Yeah, but, but it, it all seems to point back to his mom and what his mom was saying about the other, about his biological mom, and right. also what the I thing coming back to that. Like, it's just, I don't know, man. So they think that this started kind of an obsession with eyeballs. Um, there was an incident in college where his girlfriend broke up with him, so he cut all the eyes out of their pictures. And then posted them on I the wall. I don't know where you were going with that. <laughs> I didn't know if it was like... He cut she, out her eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> she, she broke up with him and he's like, hold on. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Let me see what I can do here. Oh jeez. Yeah. Like it, I, well, I mean, right now you've got me thinking, and he is deranged, but you got me thinking he's so deranged, I don't know what this guy's capable of. Right. So, after all this, Charles Albright says he never did anything. He says he is completely innocent. He never killed those three sex workers at all. He never points to an explanation of fascination with eyes or exacto knives or anything. He never talks about it at all. Except for the fact that he is on some interviews talking about how he reads books about them plucking eyeballs out. And he is the freakiest man. <laughs> yeah. It, it gave me chills. He's like, I didn't do it, but I read these books where they pluck these eyeballs out. And he's looking at the camera and he's all deranged. And I'm like, 
What is happening? I feel like so many people do that where they're just like, not collect eyeballs, but so many people. <laughs> no. Not, so many people, I feel like, that are, are serial killers. I think they, they're almost like they want to express their knowledge of mm-hmm. the, 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 subject. the subject without actually, like, I didn't do it, but I really know how to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, you did it. I mean, that's uh, not something everybody knows how to do. I don't know if you realize that. Oh. Um, so on March 23rd, 1991, Albright was arrested and charged with three counts of murder. His trial began on December 13th, 1991. The evidence was mostly circumstantial. Uh, There was weirdness that linked him to the crime. But they... Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of the actual physical evidence they had on him. and I mean, they have the witnesses, but... Here's what they have. So, this was the weirdest thing I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) <laughs> on Shirley's body was an unknown hair. Right. They could not find that. out what this hair was. They spent weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. They ruled out that it was a human hair. They ruled out that it was a dog, cat. Okay, I know. Where the, I feel like I know where this is going. I'm like, okay, you keep going, but I think I got an idea. <laughs> I don't know if you do. Um, they finally found out that it was a specific squirrel tail hair. I still think I know where this is going. (laughs) This was found on Shirley's body. This same squirrel tail hair was also found (laughs) at Charles's house. Yep. It was his taxidermy, wasn't it? No. Oh, I thought he was doing taxidermy on the squirrel. And that would have been crazy. That's where I was. That would have been crazy. Head. So I was like, I was sitting there going, he did taxidermy on some animal and it was on his clothes and got on hers. <laughs> no, just, okay, no. No, they think that how that happened was the night that he killed her, she put down her coat and he put down his clothes and a random squirrel's tail hairs got on both of them. And then that transferred to her body. In the field, I guess. Yeah, and then transferred to his house. But that's still circumstantial because it was just a random squirrel tail point. It's circumstantial, but at some point, it's got to be like I talked about there being levels to things. That's a pretty yes, it's circumstantial, but I mean, what are the chances? What are the chances? Right, and that's kind of what they presented to the court was what are the chances. Which, I mean, what are the chances? (laughs) But um, the biggest thing was the the two girls IDing him. Yeah. Um, But he left everything clean. There was no blood evidence. There was. I would be interested if they searched his exacto knives and found the broken exacto knife. That would have been interesting. That would have been. I assume they didn't because that would have been. Yeah, I feel like that would have been a huge piece of evidence. He probably that one was so sloppy that he probably threw everything out. Yeah, that's true. I was I was going to say I'm like, well, what do you? You know, like, people have broken exacto knives. Like, that's not weird. But then if you think about it, you probably match the piece into where it broke. Yeah, maybe. Maybe and see if the pieces fit. Um, but, yeah, it sounds like that didn't happen. Right. 
So on December 18th, 1991, the jury deliberated and found him guilty of only one of the murders, and that was of Shirley Williams, which was the squirrel hair one. So I think maybe that... That was the piece that made them... Yeah. He was never found guilty of the other two murders, but it presumed that he did it just because of all the links. That's what's weird to me, too, that you can have a closed case without Mm -hmm. actually having... Like, you can be proven innocent in the court of law, right? And then they say, well, he's still the killer. It's mm-hmm. not someone else, so we're closing the case. Right. Like, that's weird to me that you, that can just happen. Like, I feel like if you're going to presume him innocent, they almost would be going back and looking for someone like who did do it then. Right. Yeah. Um, he was sentenced to life without parole. Um, Albright died at the West Texas Regional Medical Facility in Lubbock, Texas, <laughs> in August 2020. He maintains his innocence, and he never explained why he had a fascination with eyes. <sighs> so we just never know. I don't, I don't know why he maintained his innocence at that point. I, I mean, know. without a chance of parole, I... Yeah, he's not getting out. We might as well just talk about it. Right. Maybe maybe he, he thought there was still some hope, some way he could get out, but... So, yeah, he... I don't he know. Died. I mean, if... Like, maybe he thought he could overturn it somehow. If you look at it from just the evidence, I mean, I could see it being overturned because of squirrel hair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not a super strong case. Yeah. Um, but he's dead, so good riddance. Yeah, right. Um, and that is the case of the Texas Eyeball Killer. Um, I don't have much to, to well, say to along, wrap that up. I think up. along the way we, we um, hit most of the talking points, but yeah. Um, so, don't teach your kids hate. Yes. Don't teach your kids taxidermy. <laughs> Well, um, please don't teach your kids about eyeballs. Don't, yeah, don't don't. <laughs> Just buy if, the glass eyeballs. Yeah, if your kid wants a glass <laughs> eyeball, what's it gonna hurt? <laughs> um, no, actually, don't buy your kids glass eyeballs because I feel like that starts a whole different problem. It Let's does. just avoid the subject if possible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that was a that was a weird one. That was an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't do a lot of serial killers, but. Well, that's, I, I've never heard that one, though. It's, yeah, I haven't either. It's not a common... I heard the eyeball killer, and I was like, you've piqued my interest. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, man. And so I was just thinking about this earlier, too. So I talked about him and, like, that being on his dating profile, the eyes and the... Exacto there, there, <laughs> there is. I feel like I want to say to watch out for that. There's a... I want to say it's up in the Northwest. Uh, there's a... I don't know if I think maybe they caught him or maybe not, but there was a serial killer that's now currently was going on with uh, dating sites. Mm-hmm. Um, so I made a joke about that, but now I'm kind of like, hey, protect yourselves out there, though, please. Because yeah. there's, I mean, if you think about that now, it's. God, my head just went to a horrible place. Um, <laughs> but like, it's, it's. I don't know how to say this gently. Dating sites are like ordering delivery for serial killers. <laughs> yes. 
It is. It because, is. Like, DoorDash. They, they are literally just swiping, like, ah, I would murder you. No, I don't want to murder you. <laughs> I like, don't like your eyes. Yeah, like, Ugh. so meet in public places, make sure these are legit human beings and not going to murder you. Take care of yourselves, please. Yeah. <sighs> and, um, that is all. <laughs> I regret that whole last phrase because that whole last discussion. <laughs> I regret because, this like, whole case. It's so many things about, but I mean that that last part. I'm just like, people are literally going to be going on dating apps thinking, I don't know if I can do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can do this anymore. Right, there are good people though, right? But, yeah, I mean the majority are probably good. Just don't pick the one who likes eyes. Oh my goodness. All right, um, so that is all for this week, <laughs> and we'll hopefully be back next week. Um, give us some grace, give us some time, but... And less talk about eyes, hopefully. Yes. All right. Um, well, see you later. Stay safe out there. <laughs> yep. Watch your eyes. Right. Peace. Bye. Hi guys, I just wanted to say I hope you enjoyed this video. If you like any of the content for Code 187, please click that subscribe button, that like button, that share button. Help us out, help us grow. Um, you can find us on your favorite podcast platforms. Um, yeah, check us out on there. Give us some ratings. Um, tell us what you think. We're also across every social media on Code187, so we're on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, I think that's it, um, and of course YouTube. So please, please, please subscribe um, if you like our content and spread the word. We'll see you guys next time. Bye.